Hello, and welcome to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. I'm Isla Garcia, Master's Degree of Nutrition Science and Registered Dietitian, and I'm going to make weight loss realistic, sustainable, and uncomplicated for your busy lifestyle. On this podcast, me and my team of registered dietitians will decipher the latest nutrition research, dissect fad diets, and discuss social media trends for you so you can feel confident knowing what to eat to achieve your health goals. Research suggests that most weight loss programs aren't successful, but my experience has taught me that this is not because the participants aren't committed. It's because those diets are designed by non-nutrition professionals and center around severe restrictions. We are here to provide the facts about the science of weight loss so you can have the success you want and continue living your best life. Welcome back to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. My name is Isla, your founder, CEO, and host of our podcast. And you'll have to excuse me because today we're coming from uh, my old office, RIP, which David has taken over. And I'm trying to like category myself into this corner that's like trying to be not as um, distracting because um, I couldn't bring myself to go over to my office today. I got back from Fency, and which is our food, nutrition, conference, and expo. And I've been gone for a week. And so I'm trying to just like get my life back together also while trying to adjust back to the time zone. So I slept in today and my main priorities were go to the grocery store, cook a meal, uh, and I can't remember. Oh, and go to therapy today. And I've done those things. So all the rest of the things are okay because they're not priority. But for work, I did want to go ahead and upload this podcast episode. This is a hard one. And this is one that I have not really wanted to talk about, mostly just because I don't. I did never, I never felt confident explaining these things. And we're going to talk about hormones and weight. Uh, with the conference I just went to, I was there for three days at the conference. And then they added on two days early to have a training in obesity science or counseling, I guess, like all the things, honestly, we had like training on counseling, we had training on the science, we had training on the medication, stuff like that. So definitely came away feeling a lot more confident talking about things including this topic. So when I was talking about this on Instagram as I was kind of learning about it and a lot of people had some interest. So I'm going to try to give a very brief overview or like as brief as I can make it because this can get very scientific really quickly. And I feel like with these episodes, it's better if they're a little shorter. So I'm just going to kind of give you the highlights. Um, What we're going to talk about in this episode is I do want to kind of explain what the hormones are um, what they're kind of supposed to do, what happens when you're overweight. So like what happens when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then overall, what are you supposed to do with this information? Cause I feel like sometimes in nutrition, we are bombarded with information and then you're left feeling overwhelmed and you're like, so what am I supposed to do with it? So I want to give you the information or I want to give you some recommendations or like, what does this information even mean to you? Okay. So starting off, what are the hormones? That we're talking about. So I'm going to be talking about ghrelin, leptin, and insulin. There's a lot of other hormones that I could have talked about, but to kind of keep it all related, I'm going to just keep it kind of to these three and honestly, mainly with ghrelin and leptin. So with ghrelin, we always remember in school uh, that ghrelin makes you hungry because it sounds like ghrelin. So your stomach is ghrelin with ghrelin. Um, and it's actually the only hormone that makes you hungry. And I did not realize this. There's so many hormones that make you feel full, but there's only one hormone that causes hunger and it is ghrelin. 
And they find that this increases in your body before you eat and decreases after you eat. So, duh, right? Like you get hungry before you eat and then after you eat, you're not hungry anymore because that hormone is done. The next one is leptin. And there's no real like fun way to remember this other than it's just the other hormone. And leptin makes you feel full. However, there are lots of other hormones that I could have tied into this that also make you feel full, but leptin is kind of the major one that you probably would hear about. Again, others are GLP-1, so ding, ding, ding for all the new weight loss medications, Um, GLP-2, glucagon, CCK, amylin, and so many more. These are, leptin is actually produced in fat cells, so, or adipose cells, so adipose means fat, so whichever adipose is like a little bit more scientific, but for people who don't know what that word means, it just means the body fat you have. So it's made up of cells. And when you have more adipose tissue, you are supposed to be making more leptin because it's your body's way of trying to get you to lose weight. If it can make you feel more full, therefore helping you to not eat as much. However, this doesn't happen. And I will go into why, but your body does produce more leptin. So I did have a client once who got her hormones checked and she did have a high leptin level, which makes sense if you have more adipose tissue. However, being high in leptin doesn't always make you feel full. And I'm going to explain that in a minute. Um, The last one is insulin, just because I feel like a lot of people don't really realize this is a hormone, but insulin really helps to move things into the cells one of the biggest ones being glucose. So this means that when you are insulin resistant, insulin resistant, your body is not really bringing glucose into your cell to give you energy. And so when you have insulin resistance, you're going to have a higher glucose level, which can then lead to a diabetes. So three major hormones, ghrelin, leptin, and insulin are what I'm going to go over today. And you can let me know if you're on Spotify in the comment section, if you want me to go over any more. So when you, like some, some people do have a genetic predisposition to different hormone levels. So there is some sort of genetic component. And this is one of the biggest takeaways that I had, because I have always, when, from the certification that I just got, because I've always had conflicting thoughts on genetic obesity being genetic and how much that plays a part, even in the research, like some, some things say like 70% of like everything we do is related to genetics when it comes to obesity. And then other people say it's only like 30% or less. So what the big takeaway that I learned from this specific certification, and I want to be careful because it's just like the information that I was exposed to talked about how there is definitely a huge genetic link to obesity, but it mostly has to do with these hormones. So it's not necessarily like you're just going to be overweight or obese because your mom or dad was overweight or obese. And it's, there's nothing, there's literally nothing you can do about it. Even if you exercise and are in a calorie deficit, your body is just going to be overweight. From what I took away from this sesh, from this teaching is that, um, or this conference or certification is that you do have control over it, but for some people it will just be harder because you might just have extra levels of less levels of leptin or extra levels of ghrelin or something like that. So it doesn't really have a lot to do with metabolism. Hopefully that gives you a little bit of hope that the genetic factor is just these hormones that are imbalanced, just like anything else, like type one diabetes. That's another kind of like hormone imbalance or like hypothyroidism or something like that. So just understand that that's kind of the genetic component that we see in nutrition of why genetics lead to increased weight. They find that especially people who are obese can have more levels of 
leptin resistance. So although people who have more body fat are going to produce more leptin, which should make you feel full, what actually can happen is you can become resistant to the leptin. So you'll just have higher levels of leptin kind of swimming around in your blood, much like if you have insulin resistance. And just because you have more of it doesn't actually mean that you're going to uptake it. So this could be why if you ever get a test that says you're high lep- you have a high leptin level, you might be confused because you're like, well, Isla told me that that makes me full. So why am I not full if I have so much leptin in my blood? And it could just be because your body is not recepting it because you are starting to have leptin resistance just because I had that client one time and that clears up so much, I feel like. The other part of this genetic part is that there is like a component of hunger and fullness that just have to do with like, I don't know, if you boil it down to the basic biology parts, like if we're an animal, like you are going to feel hungry and full because your body needs you to do that so it can regulate its own weight, right? But there's also this tie-in that if you see something, like an ad, which I'll go over in a minute, or like see a food, they've measured that you actually will have higher levels of ghrelin once you see that food. However, if you never saw the food, like a cheeseburger, or even like hearing me talk about a cheeseburger, which I feel like happens all the time in client sessions when clients are like, I really struggle with eating this bear claw. And I'm like, dang, I really want a bear claw. And I literally would have never thought about it. that client brought it up. And it's because it can actually increase levels of ghrelin. And this can make you more hungry, especially if you were raised in a household where you have all these really positive feelings around something like a bear claw. I'm just thinking of this because a client brought this up recently. And then I was like, I don't even know what a bear claw is. And now like, I want a bear claw. So if you're, for example, like grew up having this bear claw around the holidays. And so every time it starts to get cool out, it's a trigger for your mind to start increasing these hunger hormone or the one hunger hormone that you have. And then also makes you want to have a bear claw. So there's kind of like two genetic-ish components that might set you behind or back compared to somebody that doesn't have these genetic predispositions to having different hormone levels, which makes it harder for you to lose weight. Do you feel like you're tired of trying every new diet out there whenever you're ready to lose weight, but you never really find long-term success because it's either too restrictive or just not conducive to your lifestyle? Well, then let me tell you about our three-month lifestyle reset program. This is an individualized weight loss approach where you'll be going through our proven six-step method and you'll be led by a registered dietitian. By becoming a client of the program, you'll be able to learn how to control your weight, increase your energy and confidence, and also improve your overall well-being. Not to be dramatic, but a lot of clients tell us that they actually change their lives by going through the program and finally find a sustainable weight loss solution when they actually haven't found that with any other program. If you are interested in becoming a client, sign up for a discovery call on our website, themillennialnutritionist.com with me, Isla Garcia, and I'll help match you with one of our registered dietitian coaches based off of your challenges and their nutrition expertise. If you're ready to find a sustainable weight loss solution in a non-judgmental and encouraging environment, I hope you'll connect with us soon. What happens if you are overweight with these hormones? First of all, you produce more leptin, like I said, but you can become resistant to it. So your body's trying to work with you, but it can't like fully operate under these conditions. You can also become insulin resistant, like I said, which then leads to diabetes. And then there is a component of set point, which is another thing that I'm glad that they kind of cleared up. 
So your body is really comfortable when it's at a higher weight, but this doesn't necessarily mean it's safe. I think this is a narrative that's been strung along for a long time around set point theory that your body's just supposed to be at a higher weight, where it's not really supposed to be at a higher weight, but it is safer to be at a higher weight than being extremely malnourished. But there's like not a really lot of gradient to this. So it's not like once you get to like a 19 BMI, which is the cutoff for what is considered underweight, then your body decides to start helping you out. And it's like, I don't want this person to lose any weight. Your body never is going to want to lose weight because it doesn't know like what situation you're in. It doesn't know that you are fine. You're just trying to go on a diet or be in a calorie deficit, even though you have plenty of food around you. You're not in a situation where you're going to starve to death, but your body doesn't know it. So it doesn't want to help you out losing any weight because it doesn't know if you're starving in a desert. So it is trying to help you in a sense, which is why it's so much easier to stay at a higher weight. But I just want to reiterate, it doesn't mean that it's healthy or safe to stay at this higher weight. So this is a situation where you don't really want to trust your body's systems because it's not going to help you out health-wise. Okay, so fourth part of this out of five is what happens when you try to lose weight with all these hunger hormones or fullness hormones and hunger hormones, all the hormones. So first, your body is going to go crazy and put up a fight, like I said. It wants you to stay at the size you're at, not because it's safer, but just uh, because it is like overall safer. So again, if you want to think like, let's say you're like, I don't know what is even a realistic situation that's what happened. I don't think there is one. So let's just pretend like you're in the TV show Lost and you are on a deserted, deserted island and you don't have any food to eat or like day to day, you would just try to skip meals because you're so busy like making a tiki hut or something like that, your body's going to try to override that survival instinct and say like, you have got to eat. So we're going to make you even more hungry than normal. So you become like overridden with hunger and you go find a coconut or you go kill a fish and eat it. Because if you never had those instincts, you would easily die on a deserted island. And that's how we evolved. Now, this doesn't really work for modern times, but that is the situation that is really going on. So the next thing that happens when you're trying to lose weight is ghrelin increases. So they find that people who do have or are trying to lose weight or even people who have like severe anorexia, they do have higher levels of ghrelin. So if you ever do feel like you are trying to lose weight and you're hungrier than you were when you were not trying to lose weight, it's because of this, that ghrelin, that growling hormone is increased. And I think it also helps, could help you to understand too, why somebody who's not trying to lose weight and is just at a smaller body size, they don't seem as preoccupied around food or they don't care as much about food or they're not as hungry as you are. And it's because of this, when you're actively trying to lose weight, when you're trying to be in a calorie deficit, as opposed to somebody who's just maintaining their weight, you are getting different levels of hormones. So hopefully, I don't know if that makes you feel better. It makes me feel a little bit better to know that like nothing's really wrong with you psychologically. It is just like your hormones trying to help you out, but it's not really working. And then leptin either reduces. So that fullness hormone either is less or the body just doesn't sense it well when you decrease calories, which both the ghrelin and the leptin imbalance all increase appetite. So again, if you are losing weight and you feel more hungry, unfortunately, that is normal and the hormones are to blame. 
So what can you do with this information? Like, I don't know. Uh, sometimes when I was going through this, I was like, well, this sucks. I don't really want to tell anybody because I don't want you to feel defeated. Um, but there is some things we can do now that we know this information. So first know that the hypothalamus is the control center for these hormones. And that is in your brain, I believe. Um, and inflammation has actually been shown to cause people to gain weight because it starts to really make it not work as well. And then it can cause all the hormones to either be underproduced, overproduced, and make you more hungry or less full than you need to be. What you can do to decrease this inflammation to help yourself out a little bit is through decreasing stress. We have a whole anti-inflammatory stress episode that you should listen to um, because when you're more stressed out, your whole body kind of goes into chaos. Another big one that I learned is reducing sugar intake. Sugar is a big inflammatory food. And so I never talk too much about sugar or like concentrated sugar, but this for inflammation and for regulating hormones can be very helpful to try to reduce. The recommendation is 25 grams a day, which I believe is like two teaspoons. Um, my fitness pal actually tracks sugar, but you need to look at added sugar is the, the thing. It's not like when it's really bound to something. It's the pure like table sugar that if you add it to coffee, if you have a dessert, if you have like a, I don't know, like a drink with simple syrup, those are the sugars you want to reduce. So you don't need to get caught up on all the sugars that are in everything else. And my fitness pal, the premium version will tell you the sugar, but it won't really tell you the added sugar, but just know if it's like sugar coming from a fruit, it's not added. You need to make sure it's added. And that's what might be causing inflammation. Um, and then just increasing anti-inflammatory foods. And what is this? This is what we always recommend. It's produce, fruits and vegetables, whole grains, beans, um, regular meats, things like that. And so you would just want to reduce anything that's like highly processed, like sugar or um, super highly processed carbs, like potato chips or very cereals, stuff like that. Um, so that you are increasing, decreasing that inflammatory food, increasing the anti-inflammatory food and helping out your hypothalamus, which is making all of these hormones. The next thing is hedonic signaling. So this is what I was kind of touching on is this is like the secondary way that your body regulates these hormones versus just like biologically, you know, you're supposed to get hungry and full, but because we're humans and we look at ads and we like talk about food, our body does respond by changing hormones as well on what you see. So I think this is another very controllable aspect. I don't think the biological thing is like that controllable, right? Like we can't without medications, which I'll go over in a minute, but you can help yourself out by not increasing those hunger hormones or de I think especially with increasing hunger hormones by less exposures of food, which is, I don't think people talk about a lot. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. They kind of talk about it in Blue Zones, so I don't feel too off by recommending this, but... I think some things you can do is try to limit exposures to foods that you feel go make you go crazy or make you want to eat them as soon as you see them. So I think this kind of goes back to maybe decreasing your social media usage. Not that I don't think that there's like a lot of ads on TikTok on Insta- and Instagram, but I think sometimes we're so inundated with ads that we don't even know what is an ad anymore. You know, when you look at somebody who is eating something where like maybe they're sponsored by sponsored by McDonald's or they're sponsored by Starbucks, or you're just straight up watching somebody on the internet, they could be eating something that would make you want to eat it, even if it's not an ad. I don't think that we were really designed to be just watching other people's lives all the time. Like if you think about it, if you didn't have access to that, all those people in the blue zones that probably aren't on social media, they're not... On when they are having meals with families and, and friends, and then when they're not eating, they're not looking at other people eating, as opposed to like sometimes I know I'll eat and then on a break, I might watch somebody's what I eat in a day, or I'll watch a YouTube person and like I see what they're eating all day. And so, all of these things can make you constantly think about food and make you more hungry, even like walking around certain foods. So, it's this is so hard to recommend. So, I was really trying to think about outside the box things. And I know for me, especially like if I'm hungry and you can probably think of this for yourself, if I'm hungry and I go down the dessert aisle at Aldi, which like literally just happened to me the other day, I'll end up buying more foods versus if I just didn't even go down that dessert aisle. I had a client recently and she said the same thing that she was about to buy a whole bunch of desserts and her, I think it was her boyfriend told her like, let's not have carbs in this form. Like you can have carbs in a different way. And I was like, okay, great job for being a little dietitian boyfriend. Um, but it's so true that if you already feel a little vulnerable around desserts or you feel hungry, I think just like skip that aisle and, and know it probably shouldn't be bought from the grocery store or just know that maybe you have a different sensitivity to these hormones. And so you can't really keep exposing yourself or the hormones are going to continue to go chaotic and you're not going to have an easy time losing weight. The last thing, I don't exactly know how to recommend. Maybe somebody can think of another recommendation, comment below. But literally just like getting out of any addy areas. Like when I walk out of my apartment complex, I mean, I do live in a shopping center, but I think it's this way in most cities. I walk out and there's a huge random ad for Starbucks. So I am like, as soon as I get outside, I think like, oh, I should go have a latte. And then even, even if I don't buy the latte, it makes me want to make it. As opposed to like, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, you go to any city that's a little bit more remote or isolated, like especially not in the US, and you just feel like you have less cravings, you don't feel like you want all these other foods because they're not constantly telling you you should be eating it or advertising that you should be having the Starbucks thing. It's crazy that I feel like when I went to Greece, I didn't see any ads for Starbucks or any sugary drinks. I was totally okay with just having like black ice espresso every day. I get back here and I'm like, why would I ever have black ice espresso? And I feel like it's because I'm just not as like, I'm so overexposed to these higher sugar, higher milk, higher fat drinks that it makes me want to have them. So my recommendation is maybe go walk in the woods or just try at some point to decrease your exposure to ads. Maybe you can even just like look around your daily schedule or your walk and see where are you getting reminders to eat 
and try to limit them if possible. The next thing is you can improve your insulin sensitivity. So this is something that some research is going more towards. And we have some data on how you can actually improve this hormone imbalance if you do have it. So walking, strength training, standing up often when working, they recommended in the seminar to walk, stand up every 30 minutes. I was like, dang, if you do have insulin sensitivity, I would say maybe try to do that. I talked to another dietitian who had a private practice and she said she has her insulin resistant clients walk 30 minutes after lunchtime. I don't have my people do it, but it is, I think, a recommendation if you could do it that would totally help. And then join our circle challenge or our millennial living challenge. Um, We're talking about walking right now. We go in depth on why this is helpful. And I went over this, I think, in the previous podcast episode, or maybe it was two podcast episodes ago, how exercise can help with insulin sensitivity. The next thing is anti-obesity medications. So this would be like Ozempic or um, any like Fentramine is an old one or Terzepatide, um, all of these, especially the new ones act on the GLP-1 receptor, again, which helps you to feel more full. So that is how it's working and why I think it's a very different medication versus before. Um I will just say when our clients, when I've worked with people who are on it, they often don't get hungry and a little bit like too concerningly hungry enough. Like they really only eat like a thousand calories or less, but we can help to work in what you should be eating with those thousand calories, how we can optimize your muscle mass. Cause they did say that they do find that people lose a lot of muscle mass when they're on these medications because they lose weight so rapidly. But the good thing is like that can be mitigated through making sure you're strength training and making sure you're eating enough protein. I think I came away from this training and this, and even like when I went to the overall conference, I had another session on the medications. And I think that if you're in a, like a very stable part of your life, it can be very easy to lose weight, right? But when you have different disruptions in scheduling, um, which means like, you know, getting married or getting a job promotion or having a kid, what all millennials are kind of going through right now, all these like different changes as we enter like mid adulthood, um, it can be harder. So if you find that you're not really in a place to be stable and work on yourselves and breathe and de-stress, maybe consider the medications. If you feel like being not obese would dramatically increase the quality of life. I think a big thing around these medications too that I walked away with is that we need to remember the population that they're really for. And they're really going to be great for people who are really struggling with chronic diseases that are due to obesity, like sleep apnea or high cholesterol that could lead to a stroke or diabetes that could eventually lead to a renal failure, kidney failure. And so it's really important to outweigh the benefits versus the risks if you have this, if you're at a lower body weight, it's not really, I don't think I would totally recommend it to somebody. The good thing is that all of these hormones, they impact hunger and fullness levels, right? They're not impacting metabolism, which to me, I think seems very good that it's not something that's totally out of your control. There are things we can do to help you to feel less hungry, even if you have a problem with these hormones. So The recommendations I have for this is to eat your produce, eat your protein, and decrease your stress. Don't skip meals. This will make you feel hungry. It'll really increase ghrelin. Remember I said at the beginning of this that ghrelin increases when you haven't eaten. 
So if you skip a meal, it's going to keep increasing until you eat again. Um, sleeping can really improve leptin. So if you feel like, again, you feel hungry a lot when you're trying to lose weight and you're not sleeping, that can be a very controllable and easy fix. And then also sign up for a program and for the follow-up sessions. If you are a previous client, a lot of what we work on is decreasing hunger. And I think I've had like two clients out of the whole time that I've ever had clients that have struggled with hunger throughout the program. And I think that a lot of it was due to different medications or another person was just trying to be like really intense about it. So generally people are not hungry with us, which is great that they don't need me on the medication. Um, and we do this through just really personalizing all the information I'm telling you right now, just to you and what it looks like for your demanding schedule or your unpredictable day-to-day things. So some audience questions that came up. The, I think the biggest one was really like, what test should you test for to see if you um, have hormone imbalances? And I'm honestly just like, I'll say my bias. I'm just really not the biggest fan of testing things like this because unless there is a very specific solution that you should be doing differently, I don't see the reason of stressing yourself out over a test. But that's just how I am a lot of times too. If I have a cold, I'm not going to go to the doctor because I'm like, so what are they going to say? I know what to do already. Um, and so a lot of, like I was saying, these hormones, like I, with the, if you even have a hormone imbalance, which you can probably just guarantee you do, if you have, if you're maybe overweight or obese, you're going to need to do all the same things we recommend anyway. There's no other recommendation that I would have for you unless you have like full on diabetes. And yeah, you definitely would need to get tested and, and, you know, go to the doctor and get medication and stuff like that. Hormones are also really hard to test for because they fluctuate constantly throughout the day. Like I was saying, um, you know, ghrelin is really dependent on if you eat or not. And so you could go and get tested, but because they are so ever changing, it is like it might be different if you take the test like this, the same test an hour later. So again, maybe just like not worth the stress. And then the lastly, I had a question about supplements for PCOS. Um, and isotol was a big one that came up at this convention I went to. And I talked to several people who said that they were on it and it worked really well. Or the new weight loss medications. Again, because I think PCOS is related to hormone imbalances because a lot of people end up having um, insulin resistance. PCOS in general can be better if you lose weight, but it can it can be difficult to lose weight if you have insulin resistance. So I think this is one application where maybe having one of these new medications that act on the GLP-1 receptor could be helpful because you are at a strong disadvantage. And if the only recommendation you have is to lose weight, that can be really hard, especially if you're not at a place in your life where you can fully focus on it. However, big caveat that I will say, we have so many clients who have PCOS that lose weight beautifully, seemingly easily without being on the medication. So just like take that information for what it is. But that's all I really have for you today. Just a reminder to sign up for our challenge this month. I think we have like one person entered, which is fine. I'm glad that we're helping one person. Um, But you get a $25 gift card if you sign up or the way it works is Whoever finishes the challenge, so this month is the posting three times that you've done your 10,000 steps, you will be entered into a random drawing with anybody else who has also completed it. So there's not a lot of people who do it, and that means that you'll have a greater chance of winning a $25 gift card. I hope this episode was helpful. Please let me know below if you have any more questions about 
hormones, hormone imbalances, and obesity, because I can definitely do a lot more. I just don't want to overwhelm you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. For daily weight loss tips and nutrition information, you can find us on Instagram at the.millennial.nutritionist and on TikTok at millennial.nutritionist. If you find this information helpful, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend who needs encouragement on their health journey. See you in the next episode.